Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Reach Life Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Our mission is changing life by making, growing, and unleashing gospel-centered disciples of Jesus. For more information, resources, or to connect with us online, visit www.reachlifechurch.org. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 20 and be in verse 7. This morning, we're going to be continuing in our teaching series that we've entitled The Big Ten. And what our goal is, is to go through every one of the Ten Commandments. Right now, we've already gone through two. And um, I want to give a a 60-second kind of a summary of what we've already talked about. Number one is no other gods besides me. In other words, make sure, God is like, make sure when you worship God, that you worship the only true God. No other gods in your life, just me. Secondly, he says, no graven images. Make sure that you worship me when you worship me. Make sure you worship me in the right way. Don't make a graven image in the image of me and worship that. Worship me. And today, we're going to look at the third commandment, which is revere God's name. Or put negatively, don't take God's name in vain. And as we've already pointed out, you'll notice that the first three commandments deal with our relationship with God. Those first three commandments that I just went over relate to our relationship with God. And the last seven, they deal with the way that we care for ourselves and that we care for one another. But all 10 of them are tied to the glory of God. We need to, to understand that. So let's look at the, the commandment, the third commandment that, that we're going to be, that I'm going to be unpacking today. It's found in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, and it says this. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold you or hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, in order to better understand this passage, there are two words that I want to bore into or to zero into. I want to to look at the word name. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him. The second word I want to look at is vain. Don't take his name in vain. So I want to look at what does that mean to take his name in vain. And, you know, when, when you look at the first three commandments, you might be tempted to go, you know what, the first two, man, I can understand why God would not want us to worship another God or to worship him in the wrong way. But the third one is probably not as important. We were talking about this in missional communities, and I asked somebody about it, and they said, yeah, the first one, the third one, I'm tempted to think that it's just basically make sure you don't curse with God's name, you know. And, you know, we can think, you know, as long as I don't do that, I'm good. So good. Let's close our Bibles. We'll come back next week and look at do not... uh, profane the Sabbath. But there is a lot more to this third commandment that I want to get into. It's more than just avoiding swearing in God's name. So first thing I want to ask is, what's the big deal about God's name? Well, to answer that, I want you to to think about names. Would you agree that names are a big deal to us? Our names are a big deal. Number one, Here's, I've got four reasons that uh, names are a big deal. Number one, names are universal. Every one of us has 
a name. And when you were born, somebody gave you a name. Now, you may love that name, you may be indifferent to that name, or you may not like that name. I know people who do not like the name that they were given at birth, so what do they do? As soon as they can, they change their name. Why is that? It's because names are a big deal. Um, how many of us don't like to tell people what our middle name is? It's something that's just like, I'd rather you not know my, my middle name. And it's, it's one of those things that uh, when, when we're naming our children, parents, this is not an easy task for a lot of us, especially if you get past three, four, five, six. It, it's something that we take great pains to make sure that we've, we've done it correctly. And, and there's three criteria that I've noticed that we use when we're naming our children. Some people want to make sure that the name is cool. You know, that it sounds cool. My brother, he named all six of his children with cool names. Uh, Navy, Bear, River, Jade, Jet, and Canyon. Really, you know, cool names. Usually, we don't name our children names like Ashtray, or trash can, or toothbrush. Now, that might be their nickname later on, but usually, I say usually because sometimes every rule is broken, but usually it's, it's cool, at least cool. Secondly, it has to be unique and unduplicated in the circles in which you, you go about, right? Especially when it comes to friends and families, you can't take a name that's already been used. Have you ever noticed that? It's like, oh man, I wanted to use that name. Or why uh, did they copy us? I remember we had a guinea pig that was named Eva. And we had a friend that named their daughter Eva. We were like, they're copying us. <laughs> well, actually, actually, they kind of felt weird that they named their daughter after a guinea pig. I don't think that's what they did, but just the thought of that. Names are a big deal to us. Uh, the third criteria that we use is that the name is respectable. Someone that you hope that your child will grow up to be like is someone that you admire, a lot of times a family member or someone famous throughout the world, someone who has lived their life in a way that left a good name. I, we don't typically name our children Jezebel and Judas and uh, Lucifer. Now, we, we might name our animals that type of, th those types of names, but not, not our children. Why is that? Again, names are really a big deal. Uh, they are universal. Secondly, names are personal. I want you to think about it. When somebody misspells your name or they pronounce it wrong over, not, not just one time, but over and over, or here's one, they forget your name. It's like, why is that like important to us when someone forgets your name? I mean, um, why, why can't, uh, when, when you forget somebody's name, you just go, hey, you know what, I forgot your name. Would, would you tell me your name again? Sometimes we do that, but a lot of times it's like, hey, uh, what's, uh, see, see over there, what's, what's, what's their name? Sometimes people ask me that and I tell them the wrong name on purpose. But you know that cringe that you feel? Or now, how many of you, don't, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have like pulled up social media and scrolled through to try to remember somebody's name? Why is that? Because names 
are important. But you know what the, what the, the double whammy is? Is when you can't remember that person's name, but they remember yours. And they keep saying your name over and over. I remember um, I was at a high school class reunion. I think it was my 20-year reunion. And this girl came up to me. Um, we were all wearing our name tags. And she's like, James Nysong, I bet you don't remember my name. And when she said that, she put her hand over her name tag. And the truth is, I couldn't remember her name. But I saw it before she covered it. So I was like, Sharon, have you changed your name? She went, James, you remember my name. I said, come on, get it in here. There's something about a name that is important to us. Another thing is that names represent a person's character. They're personal, but they also represent a person's character. When you hear, hear someone's name, if you know them, or know about them, their name represents who they are as a person. Uh, it produces certain feelings or emotions and thoughts in your mind and in your heart about that person. I'm going to put up a few, uh, a few names on the screen that you might be familiar with. Elvis. Lincoln. And these are just one name, one name. Snoopy. Hillary. Donald. MJ. You might, you know, who is that that I'm talking about? MJ. The last one, Jesus. And I want to pause on his name. Because, you know, names are a big deal to us. Um, and God's name is no exception. A.W. Tozer says, what comes into your mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Think about that. What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about us. And this is why the third commandment in the Decalogue is so important. Because when we hear the name of God, when we hear God, when we hear the name of the Lord, when we hear the name of Jesus, something comes into your mind about Him. And it either stirs you up in a positive way, or it repels you, or it flatlines you. It flatlines your heart with regards to how you think about God. And ultimately, it affects the way that we, we trust or we don't trust God. It affects the way that we worship Him or we don't worship Him. It affects the way that we serve Him or we don't serve Him. And you know, one of the greatest ways that you can destroy a person's faith in God is to pervert His name. To bring into question who he really is. And that's what Satan did, if you'll think about it. That's what Satan did back in Genesis chapter 3 when he was talking to Eve. And he said, he basically says, you know what? God, there's something wrong with God. There's a reason he doesn't want you to take that fruit. 
And it's because he's holding something good from you. He was saying that God's evil, basically, and he doesn't want you to be like him. So he is telling you, don't take the fruit. And we see what happened when Adam and Eve believed the serpent rather than God, when they trusted, did not trust in the name of the Lord. God's name is a, is a big deal. And that's why he says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. So that's the name. What about vain? What does it mean to be vain, to take God's name in vain? Well, the word interpreted vain can also mean empty, nothing, worthless, or insignificant. Empty, nothing, worthless, or insignificant. God is saying, do not take his holy and glorious name. Don't take his renown. Don't take his reputation. Don't take his fame and distort it by treating it, by treating his name as nothing, by treating his name as worthless or insignificant. In other words, don't empty God's name of its glory. Now, how do we do this? How do we take God's name in vain. Well, there's four categories I want to point out here that I think can help us to identify whether or not we are taking the Lord's name in vain. Number one, it's using God's name casually, casually or irreverently. An example of this would be flippantly saying, O-M-O-M-G, right? Oh my God. Or O-M-L, oh my Lord. Just flippantly saying that about things. I heard a, a pastor say, and I, and I typically agree with him. I would agree with him on this. He said that the only times you should say, oh, my God, or oh, my Lord, is when you're truly praying to God, when you're truly coming to him with reverence. Um, this is what, if you think about it, this is exactly what Thomas did when he stood before the Lord at his resurrection. And he said, oh, my Lord and my God. We need to be on guard that, that we don't lack a proper respect and reverence and fear for the name of the Lord. And this includes vain repetitions when we're praying. Father, I just want to, Father, thank you, Father, for all that you, Father, have done, Father, because, Father, your name is great, Father. It's, it's, it's like Sometimes I think we think that God has forgotten his name, but, but he knows his name. And, you know, it would be like me going, hey, Emmy. Emmy, I'm so glad you're here, Emmy, because, Emmy, when I see you come through that door, Emmy, it was just so great, Emmy, for you to come in here. And, Emmy, it, just your smile, Emmy, is just, it's, it's, it's vain repetition. So let us not treat God's name as common. We've we got to remember that although God relates with us, he relates with us, but he's not one of us. He is highly exalted. His name is highly exalted above him. And if, we, if he were to come through that door and manifest himself to us today to where we could see him, we would not be giving him high fives and pats on the backs. We would, as in Scripture always happens, we would be falling down on our faces in reverence. It says that some people fell on their, on their faces as though they were dead. And these are people that God loved and that, that, that loved God. So we need to be careful that we don't take God's name and use it casually or irreverently. Secondly, 
we need to be careful that we don't use God's name blasphemously. Leviticus 24, 16 says that whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely, surely be put to death. Shall surely be put to death. I was talking to my daughter earlier this week, and uh, we were looking at this, and she was like, that seems very extreme. And I said, well, what does this teach you about this commandment? When God puts, they shall surely be put to death after something. He's showing how severe this is to violate this commandment. Now, this was part of the civil law of Israel. This isn't something that we would do today because we are not um, under a theocracy anymore. We are uh, under the new covenant. But today in our church, what we would practice is church discipline. Um, This is where Jesus would instruct us to remove someone who is defiant and unrepentant. Uh, this This would just be to keep uh, their influence, them from influence or leading others astray. But we, we obviously wouldn't put anybody to death. But the point I want to want to point out here is that blaspheming God's name is an extremely serious offense. But you might be asking, well, what is blasphemy? It's, it's important that we understand what that means. And blasphemy occurs when someone attacks the character, works, or attributes of God by speaking evil of him, attacking the character, works, or attributes of God by speaking evil of him. And, that, you know, that's what Satan did in the garden. It's what the, the children of Israel do in the book of Exodus when they're out in the wilderness. They grumble against God and they accuse him, they attack him of doing, of wanting to do what? To destroy them, to put them to death, to kill them. They, they're saying, God, you're evil. Um, it's what people do when they take Jesus' name and they use it as a curse word. Now, how do we, church, are, can we be guilty of blaspheming God? That's, that's something that we need to, to look at because these commandments are meant for our good also. I, I don't think that if, if we were going around, I don't think that most of us uh, struggle with cursing God with using his name as a curse word. At least I hope not. Um, and I want to stop here and just just uh, point out something. I want us to be careful. I have heard sometimes that people will say, you know, um, if you're angry with God, just go to him and just, you know, let it out. You can let your anger out on him, vent your anger out on God because he's so big, he can take it. And the truth is, I don't see that taught in Scripture to come to God in our anger, in our rage, and accusing God in in a uh, disrespectful way. Now, I would definitely say that if we're struggling with our anger, if we're struggling with anger or or unbelief, there are times that that we come to God and pour out our hearts. Psalm 62.8 says to pour out our hearts to God. But we need to understand when we come to Him, we need to come in the right spirit. We need to come with respect and reverence. Uh, Lord, Lord, I am struggling right now with the situation in my life, what's happening in my life, or what's not happening in my life. And I am tempted to want to blame you. I want to accuse you. I need you to help me to see things clearly. I need you to walk with me through this. Help me to see things rightly. So we need to be careful how we bring our anger and and, and our frustrations to the Lord. But, you know, usually our blasphemy is, is less obvious because 
it occurs in the heart. And it's not publicly, we don't publicly vocalize it. And, and it happens, here's what, when it happens. It happens when we doubt God's love, when we doubt his power, and when we doubt his wisdom, that we're tempted to falsely accuse him. We might say, you know, God, because of our situation, God doesn't care about me. That is bringing a false accusation against God because the cross teaches us that he does care about us. Or, I know that this situation that I'm in is too big for God. You wouldn't say it that way, but you really don't think that God can do anything about your situation and that you're going to go about doing something your own way. God can't deal with this. Well, that's not what the resurrection teaches us. It teaches us that God, that Jesus conquered death. There, there's nothing that Jesus cannot do. Another one would be, I, I know that God commanded this. I know he said to do this or not to do this, but... And we wouldn't say it this way, but, but I, I know better. Because if I follow him in this, things are not going to turn out well for me. But God's word says that those who trust in him will not be put to shame. So we blaspheme God when we don't trust in his name. Now there's a third way that we can, make, that we can take God's name in vain. And that is by using God's name with false authority using God's name with false authority. And this is when God's name is used to promote personal ideas, goals, and agendas. Phil Riken says it this way, A more serious way to break the third commandment is by using God's name to advance our own agenda. Some Christians say, The Lord told me to do this. Or worse, they say, The Lord told me to tell you to do this. This is a false prophecy. God has already said whatever he needs to say to us in his word. Of course, there is also an inward leading of the Holy Spirit. But this is only an inward leading, and it should not be misrepresented as an authoritative word from God. Now, it's true, listen, that God leads his people. This is, this is so clear in Scripture. He leads us by His Word, and He leads us by His Holy Spirit. Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, and they what? They follow me. But all too often, if we're honest, God gets credit for saying things that He did not say, or uh, forbidding things that He did not forbid. Here's an example. of Here's how it looks like in our lives. You know, I've been praying a lot. It usually starts that way. I've been praying a lot. And uh, the Lord is leading me to blank. Uh, in dating relationships, this can be used in dating relationships. You know, someone goes, you know, do you want to start a relationship? Well, you know, I've been praying a lot. And uh, the Lord is telling me that, you know, I just need to f focus in on him right now. You, this would be a distraction. What is really going on most of the time in those situations? I really don't want to date you. But we blame it on the Lord, right? Or you're asked to serve in an area. Hey, could you serve in this area? Well, let me pray about it first. It's an area that God would clearly want you to, you know, it would not forbid you to serve in, but it's one of those areas that, man, reach kids. I mean, I mean, I could do it, but I don't really like to do it, that sort of thing. So I'm going to 
pray about it. And then, yeah, I prayed about it, and, and the Lord's just telling me not to do it. The, the point that I want to make here is that we need to be careful that we don't give authority from God to things that we could just, just don't want to do. Um, unless it's clearly declared in, in God's Word. For example, you, you're talking to somebody and you say, I know that the Lord does not want you to leave your children and your spouse and go marry someone else so that you can be happy. I know that, that the Lord would not want you to do this. Why? Because the commandment says, do not commit adultery. Those are things that are written that we can clearly say, thus saith the Lord. But we just have to be careful about when we are praying and we get this feeling inside that, that God wants us to do this or that. I think the safer way to, to deal with that is to say, you know what? I have been praying about this, and I believe the Lord is leading in this way or that. I could be wrong, but I think the Lord is leading this way or that. But to say authoritatively that this is from the Lord is a dangerous thing to do, and it, and it's, it borders on using the name of the Lord in vain. Number four, we need to be careful of proclaiming uh, God's name partially. Now, this happens when we highlight only attributes of God that we like, or that we, that we can relate to. And everybody in this room, you have a certain bent. Some of us are very empathetic. We, we feel what others feel. So uh, we might be tempted in that situation to just focus on God's gentleness, His kindness, and His mercy, and ignore God's justice, His judgment, and that the Scriptures teach that God's a God of wrath. Um. These would be attributes that someone who would be, might be black, more black and white, see things black and white, and is more disciplined, they would see the justice and God's uh, um, judgment and his wrath and, and emphasize those and ignore his gentleness, his kindness, and his mercy. Um, we, we have to be careful that we don't just present God that we want to have. We need to present the full name of God. Um, it also may be that you are simply embarrassed or ashamed of God that was taught in the Scriptures because it costs you, if you really proclaim Him, it costs you your reputation in front of others. Now, um, it's less threatening to say, you know, this is my truth. Jesus is, is my truth, but you can have... You know, I'm not saying you need to believe that. I was when I was in the hospital a few weeks with my dad. There was a nurse, and, and we, uh, the Lord gave me an opportunity to talk to her about the Lord. And I was just asking her about Jesus, and she said, "Oh, I believe in Jesus. I believe He's the only way." But I'm not going to tell somebody else that. I'm not going to judge someone else like that. Now, I didn't push in. It was not the time for me to do that. But I thought to myself. There's a, there's a very good chance that you're taking that position because of what it will cost you if you say, you know, actually, if you think he's the only way, then you think that the other ways are wrong. You believe that the other ways are wrong. But it can cost you um, your reputation. So we need to understand that if we, if we proclaim the full name of God, there's going to be times that we do get kickback and... Um, so you might be asking, why is it so important to proclaim the full name of God? And this is really the point, I believe, of this commandment, one of the major points of this commandment. Because as disciples of Jesus, listen, as disciples of Jesus, our hope, our rest, our safety, 
our joy, our worship, our salvation. Basically, our faith is grounded in the name of the Lord. Our faith is built upon who He is. It's built upon His character. It's built upon His works. It's built upon His attributes. I love what Psalm 20 verse 7 says. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in what? The name of the Lord, our God. You know, an Israelite who heard that verse right there, probably what came to mind was the Red Sea. How when Pharaoh was chasing the Israelites with what? Horses and chariots? I trust in my God. It would have produced courage in them. Proverbs 18.10 says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. A righteous man runs into it and is safe. Have you ever thought about what that means? I mean, what does it mean to run into the tower of the Lord? How do you find the door? How do you find the stairs to get into the tower of the Lord to flee from danger? Well, the answer is by trusting in the name of the Lord that is revealed in Scripture. One more I want to share. It's found in Acts when Peter is uh, preaching to the crowds. He says, and there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven, no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This is a pretty big deal. The name of the Lord is the name by which we are saved. And you know, when when Moses was at the burning bush, um, he basically says, you know, when I go to the Israelites, and God's like, I want you to go to to, uh, the Hebrews and tell them that I'm going to set them free. Moses says, when I go to them, and if they ask me, what is your name? What do I tell them? And what does God say? Tell them that I am who I am has sent you. And so what I did was I, I did a, uh, a search. I just typed in uh, I am in my Bible concordance and pulled up every single verse where the word I am came up. And so I, I went through it, and I didn't get all of them, but I tried to get as many as I could of where God says, I am this. And I'm going to, and I've, I've written it down, and I want to read these to you. Now, we have lost, in our culture, we have lost one of the um, skills that used to, used to have back in the day, and that is the skill of listening. And I want to just ask that you would just listen. Try to, try to fight past daydreaming and try to listen to what God proclaims about his name. He says, I am who I am. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I am the Lord Almighty. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. A God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and on the children's children to the third and fourth 
generation. Fear not, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. I am the Lord, your healer. I am compassionate. I am holy. I am the one who sanctifies you. I am your portion and your inheritance. I am he, and there is no God besides me. Be still and know that I am God. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God, and I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other. I am the Lord your God. Before me, no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. I am the Lord who made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself. I am the Lord. Those who wait for me shall not be put to shame. I am he who comforts you. I am merciful, declares the Lord. I am your master. I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. I am with you to save you and deliver you, declares the Lord. I will give them a heart to know that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. You are my sheep, and I am your God, declares the Lord God. You shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. I am God and not a man, the Holy One in your midst. Jesus says in the New Testament, I am gentle and lowly in heart. I am with you always to the end of the age. I am among you as the one who serves. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am from above. I am not of this world. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. I am the way and the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. 
Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he has done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. Surely I am coming soon. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. And there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And this is why the Lord says, you shall not take my name in vain, for the, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. It is a serious thing. It's a serious offense to empty or to make worthless or insignificant the name of Jesus. Why? Because apart from him, we cannot come to know God. Apart from embracing him, and that includes what he did for us, by accepting that we cannot pay for our own sins and be with God. That we needed someone to do that, accepting that Jesus did that for us, accepting Jesus for who he is, for who he reveals himself to be in Scripture. This is of highest importance. And so this morning, listen, if you have heard the voice of God speaking to you, if you felt any type of conviction in anything that has been shared this morning, maybe you realize, you know what, I have been taking God's name in vain in this area or this area. I want to encourage you, don't, don't harden your heart against that. Um, number one, God knew that you were doing that. And number two, if you feel conviction, that is actually a gift from God. Because you know what he's doing? He's saying, look, here's an area that you need to repent of. And if he shows it to you, what he's saying is, I'll forgive you of that. I will forgive you of that if you will confess it and turn and come to me and receive my forgiveness. That's what the gospel is. That's the good news. There's only one who never took the Lord's name in vain, and that's Jesus Christ. And he has stood before us and said, I will hold nothing against you if you will come to me and accept that. So this, you know, this week as I was studying this, I couldn't believe how convicted uh, I got as I understood, you know, I have been taking the Lord's name in vain. I have not taken the Lord's name where it should be. I've be in some ways, I've become too common with his, with his um, name. And the, you know what the first thought was in me? I can't confess that. I got to, you know, is, would God forgive me? I, I wrestled with that. Will God forgive me of taking his name falsely? Because it says in here that the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. But it also says that he forgives all iniquity if we will confess it and repent. So this morning, listen, if God is dealing with you in an area where you've taken his name in vain, I want to encourage you. Confess it. Agree. Yes, Lord, I agree with you. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. And I want to encourage you to confess it, repent, and come to him and, and, and accept his forgiveness. Because God is a merciful and gracious God who 
forgives iniquity and transgression and sin to those who return to him in faith. Amen? Amen.